Well, welcome to our Savior's Church yet again. Glad you're here. We are in the middle of a series, actually second part of a series called Struggles. How many of you were here last week? Raise your hand so we see. Glad, I'm glad you were here. We talked about this idea of the struggle of comparison. How many, how many of that hit a little home with you last week? How many of you took the gratitude attitude challenge? Anybody here took that challenge? How did it go? Was it, was it enlightening? I hope it was. We challenged everybody last week to take seven days to share, write down uh, 10 things that they are thankful for. And uh, we had a lot of people taking in on that. But how many know thankfulness and gratitude shouldn't be something you just do on Thanksgiving? It should be something we do all the time. And so I encourage you to jump in on that if, you've, if you uh, didn't get to do that. Just start writing down things that you're thankful for. And God's done a lot in our lives. Today we are in week two and we're talking about forgiveness. We'll jump into that in just a minute. Uh, real quick, how many of you have a family traditions that, that you do? You have family traditions in your, in your family. Let's say, you know, for holidays, you got different family. You go to the in-laws and the outlaws or whatever that is, however that looks like for you. Uh, I, I had a, we had a family tradition growing up. I want to share this with you and kind of lead into what I'm talking about today. We had a family tradition in our family where we would go to my great-grandmother's house. Her name was Honey. Come on, how many you know that is an awesome name? <laughs> honey. Um, and so we go to Honey's house. Uh, she lived in Alice, Texas. I don't know if any of y'all know where, anybody know where Corpus Christi, Texas is? Down at the bottom. A lot of Mexicans. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of us in Texas anyways. So uh, we, were, we were there and uh, we <clears throat> go there every year for Christmas. And we'd bring all the families, all the aunts, all the uncles. I mean, I was just... I was blessed to have a really great family, a really close family. We always did stuff together. We were always with each other. We, we always used to live close to each other. And we would go down there and bring all, load all of the gifts and load them in the car and bring them all the way down to this. And we'd pack 20, 30 people in her tiny little house because that's what family does. And you get there and, you, and, of course, just like anything, how many know when you gather together with all your family, the number one thing that you do all the time is eat, eat. Exactly. So everybody busts out their best meal that they got. So you got the turkey and you got the ham and you got the green bean casserole and you got the yams. You got the cornbread dressing. Come on, give me cornbread. All right. So it's karaoke. Uh, So this one, though, 1988 is a Christmas we'll never forget, though. We come to this, uh, to her house, everybody cooks their meals and, and, uh, we're sitting at the table and, you know, you got so many people, not everybody can fit at one table. You got all the different tables. How many know the kitty section? The ki- how many know that was a, that was a big day when you upgraded from the kitty table to the adult table. You're like, I have arrived. No more kitty plate, no more kitty bowls, no more. Okay. So sorry. I'm, I'm just getting a lot of stuff out right now. I apologize. So. We, we, we have this meal, we're eating, I mean, it's just, everything is going great, it's awesome, everybody's talking about how they cook their meals, and so Honey, though, was, her job was to make the cornbread dressing, she made the, the gimme cornbread, That's, that was her thing, and so she made all that, and, and so we're sitting around talking about how they made it and all this stuff, we're like, Honey, man, the cornbread is on point, I don't know if we said it exactly like that, but... Man, you have knocked the cornbread out of the park. And she's like, oh, listen, baby, that's something special. I said, oh, wh- 
well, give us the ingredients. How do you do this? She said, listen, baby, that cornbread is from when Pop Pop died. Pop Pop died 11 years before. 1978. Paul Paul died. She had taken that cornbread and stuck it in a freezer for 11 years and, and decided on this family gathering, she's going to bust it out for everybody. Everybody's vomiting in their mouth. Oh, my God. Okay, this is a true story. You can ask any of my family. It is, it is, a, fam, it is a family Christmas we'll never forget. Needless to say, honey never made cornbread dressing from that moment on. The reason I bring that up is because there's things that we hold on to for a long time that if we're not careful of, not only will it harm us, but it'll also harm everybody else. And she was holding on to this cornbread for whatever God knows whose reason for that and literally could have killed us all. Um, Thankfully, it wasn't like eggs or something. But that is the same way in our lives when we have unforgiveness towards people. We put it in the freezer of our minds and we hold on to this for years and years and years to pull it out at some point for it to just blow up and either destroy us or destroy the people around us. And today we're talking about this idea of forgiveness. I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 or turn your Bible on or look at your notes. We got notes provided for you. Uh, or you can look on the screen, but Matthew chapter six is a very, very familiar passage, probably next to, um, the John three sixteen. I think this is probably one of the most famous. We all, we all know it. It's the, the Lord's prayer. I think there's a part of the Lord's prayer that we often don't really truly understand what we're saying. And this is what he says. This is actually in the, the NLT version. So it's a little bit different but you'll see where I'm getting at. It says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Not from 11 years ago, by the way, but the food we need today, hopefully not stale. And now watch this. Here's the part. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Oh, wait, hold up. What did I just read? Let's let's rewind this. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Did we really just ask God to forgive us the exact same way we forgive other people? Did we really just ask God, God, I want you to forgive me just like I forgave my ex-husband. Really? Do you want God to forgive you just like you forgave your ex-husband or ex-wife or co-worker or boss? But this is the prayer that we pray. God, forgive me at the same level that I forgive other people. Do you really want that? I think most of us, if we were honest in here, you'd probably say, absolutely not. I don't want God to forgive me like I forgive other people because there's other people that I haven't forgiven. And this verse, the Lord's Prayer, tells us that we are to forgive others just as God has forgiven us. And it's mind-boggling that as Christians, we have been get forgiven so, so much. And yet, we are so stingy at giving forgiveness away. So stingy at it. 
I love the Bible because it addresses real problems. And I love our church. Listen, a real church is not a church that doesn't have problems. A real church is a church that addresses the problems and helps people heal from them. And that's what our Savior's church is all about. So if you walked in here with problems, welcome to our Savior's church. We're going to read the Bible and allow the Bible to minister to us and change us. Now, here's the truth. If I did a poll in here and said, how many of you have been offended? 100% of the hands would go up. Everybody in here has been offended. The better question would be, have you been married? <laughs> Do you have kids? All right. Offenses come. And anytime you have family, how I many you know, just family in general, you're going to get offended. People are going to say things. People are going to do things. And yet I think we have not learned how to walk in forgiveness when we get hurt. Hurt is going to come. You're going to get hurt. If you truly want to love people, you're going to get hurt. It's a matter of fact. It's happening. But it's not enough that we just get along with God. How many of you know, if, I, I tell people all this time, listen, my job would be awesome if it wasn't for people. Man, it'd be amazing, like me and God. Hey, God, what's up today? Come on, peace, let's do this, all right. And then I gotta, like, actually step out my door. Actually, let's back up. I gotta step out of my bed, and then I gotta deal with these three minions and a tall queen, Okay. It's so easy for me to go, God, how's things going, man? We're just chilling, relaxing. It's all of a sudden, though, when we get other people in our lives that all this stuff starts coming up. Come on, loving Jesus is easy. Loving people, that's another thing. And today we're talking about not just this idea of loving God and God loving us, but how do we love people? How do we, how do we walk through the times in our lives where we've been offended? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Look at this verse with me. Hebrews 12 says this. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Now watch this. Watch out. Underline that. Watch out. Anytime the Bible says something like that, you should probably underline it because it's trying to tell you it's something that you need to watch out. Okay? Watch out, there's a snake. Okay? Nobody just keeps walking. Okay. Watch out means watch out. This is what he's saying. Watch out. That no poisonous root of what? What's that word? Bitterness grows up. Notice it grows. It grows. Now what? Now watch what it grows up to do. It grows up to trouble who? Who? You. Corrupting many. I think many of us, we've learned to live with this root of bitterness. We're good at holding grudges. We're, we're so good at holding grudges that we don't even realize that it's a grudge. It's become so much a part of our lifestyle that it's just what we do. And this says you need to watch out. Watch out for bitterness. Not only is it bitterness, it is poisonous bitterness. And how many of you know anything that is poisonous will kill you? So God is saying here, listen, watch out, church. Watch out. There's something in your midst that could kill you. What it is, is it's bitterness. It's this unforgiveness. Bitterness is like cancer to the soul. How many of you know cancer? A dear friend of ours, we just found out, just got diagnosed with prostate cancer. Just found this out this morning. And how many of you know the thing about cancer, though, that's so bad, is cancer doesn't stay where it starts. Cancer 
spreads. It's what it does. That's why they're so aggressive about trying to kill it where it is. Because if you don't take care of it, it will spread to everything. And listen to me, unforgiveness that's not dealt with will spread to every area of your life. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your parenting. It'll affect your relationships at work. It will affect everything. Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. It's not a big deal now. But notice bitterness grows. Y'all with me here? It grows. Write this down. You got a couple little notes there that you can write in. Unforgiveness is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. Unforgiveness is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. I can't believe she said that to me. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe mom and dad did that to us. And you're constantly stuck in this state of pain where you can't get past it because of something that somebody's done to you. You're stuck in this area of pain. You're angry. And oftentimes you're angry at yourself. But yet it explodes in other areas. I mean, you go through the, you know, McDonald's drive through and get you a little Big Mac and everything. And you're like, yeah, give, give me Big Mac and some ketchup and I'll take a large Coke. And you get in and they give you all your food. They go, have a nice day. And you drive off and you go in, you, you, you know, you're getting your Big Mac and you got your fries and everything. You're like, where's the ketchup? <laughs> Whoa, dad, it's just ketchup. I mean, we can turn around. I mean, and you just explode. Something that's so small. And then all of a sudden, blah, blah, blah. Like, where is that coming from? You know where it's coming from? There's some anger that's inside of you that's usually dealing with something else. But you deal with it in another area. Just blowing up. You get angry. You get mad. Somebody cuts you off. Like, what in the world? You're number one. Like, what's the deal? Usually there's something going on and they didn't, they didn't mean to do that. The little McDonald's lady didn't mean not to put ketchup in you. Like, ah, I'm not putting ketchup in there. <laughs> like, that's not, but yet we take it so personally and then we get so upset. Y'all with me here? It's this bitterness, this root that grows up inside of us. Me and my boys, I, I share this all the time. We love to wrestle. I mean, I got three boys. And so my wife is the only one. And, uh, and Lindsay's like, I don't like wrestling. But my boys do. And so when I get home, they're ready to wrestle because Lindsay doesn't wrestle. She just kicks them. And so, no, I'm joking. She don't do that. Uh, yes, she does. No, she doesn't. Uh, yes, she does. And so, so, so we wrestle. And, I, and I'll get my boys on the ground. And, you know, when I grow my beard out more, I'll, you know, raise their shirt up and give them like a, a little burn with my beard and all that. And they're laughing and everything. And then what I'll do, because this is what my dad used to do to me. And I'd hate it, but I still do it. Okay, that's how it works. You grab their hands and you punch them with it. Y'all, anybody done that? And you say this, quit hitting yourself, quit hitting yourself, quit hitting yourself, quit hitting yourself. I'm like, dad, stop it. Seriously. Listen to me unforgiveness, bitterness is you hitting yourself. Can't believe they did this. Can't believe that. And God today, listen to me. God today is wanting you to know, quit hitting yourself. Quit hitting yourself. Any of y'all played Angry Birds? You, okay, you don't, yeah, you do. You know you do. You don't have to admit it, but you, you probably do. If you know anything about Angry Birds, the, the, the pigs are after the birds for stealing their stuff. Uh, the bir- I mean, sorry, the birds are after the pigs for stealing their eggs. And, and what happens? And these birds go slingshot themselves 
over into the pigs. And then when they get there, usually after they do whatever damage they do, what do they do? They blow up. They blow up. And I think that's a lot of Christians. We are angry birds. We think that by going after people, it's going to do them some good, but actually we blow up. I can't believe she did this. Oh, I'm getting on Facebook. Everybody's knowing about this. And let let me tell you, listen to me. You look stupid. I'm going to tell them off. Oh, you just told yourself off. You, everybody else just lost respect for you. So be careful when you do that, by the way. Unforgiveness is like punching yourself. It only hurts you. It doesn't hurt anybody else. They're off doing their own thing. And you're over here beating yourself up. They're living their life just fine. Sleeping at night just fine. And you're over here. You can't sleep at night. You can't. You're with me? It's just... So I want, I want to share with you, what do we do and how do we forgive people who've hurt us? Now, listen, I know in here, you know, we're kind of making light of it, but I know in here that there's some of you that have been really, truly hurt. I'll share my story in just a little bit. But I know there's, I, I went to a, a conference this week and one of the statistics that just jumped out to me, which broke my heart. They said, they said right now, girls, by the time they get to 18... of girls will have been raped at least once. By the time a girl gets to 18, 38% of girls will have been raped at least once. You want to talk about some unforgiveness? I can't imagine. And I know that's the truth in here. I know that some of that's happened to some of you girls. We've counseled many of you. Daddies that are leaving. Yesterday, we're at ManFest. Pastor Bubba was sharing with me. Yesterday, we're at ManFest, which, by the way, how, how much ManFest was awesome, huh? Oh, my goodness. I had a meat hangover this morning, um, and my shoulder hurt from missing all those skeet. Um, anyways, um, Pastor Bubba was sharing with me. We did a little roundtable. Guys just got together and just shared their hearts of where they are, and he said there was this little 15-year-old boy in a group of their table, they had a bunch of older men and this 15-year-old kid. And he said, this 15-year-old kid just started crying about how he didn't have a dad and how he hates his dad. That's bitterness. That's unforgiveness. And we all have it. We all got small, petty things, but we got, most of us in here have some big things. And you have a right to be angry. Somebody's mistreated you. Somebody's abused you. Somebody's hurt you. And I'm sorry. It hurt God's heart too, by the way, just so you know. But God still says, even in the midst of that, you're called to forgive. I'm called to forgive. So how do we do this? Let's get practical here. Number one, when possible, overlook the offense. When possible, overlook the offense. Look, look at Proverbs 19.11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Whose glory? Whose glory? His glory. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. I, I, I played basketball, uh, basketball and baseball all, all growing up. Baseball was really the sport that I was really good at. Basketball was a sport that I love. Baseball was the one that I, actually, I could actually win in. And so 
I played baseball a lot, and so now I'm training my boys just how to play baseball. And, and yesterday we're throwing, you know, throwing pitches, and they're, they're hitting everything. And my boys, they just want to hit. I think they want to hit just anybody or anything. They just want to hit. And so literally, you throw a ball, and they would swing at it. It don't matter if that ball was six feet up in the air. They're still swinging at it act like they can hit it. It would be rolled on the ground. They're swinging for it every time. And one of the things you learn in baseball is, listen, there's some things called a ball. <laughs> and you don't swing at those. Just let those go by. Let those pass by. Strikes, swing at those. Balls, let them go by. Listen, the same thing is with offenses. There's some things in our lives where people offend us, and it's something small. Let it go by. You know why you're so miserable? Because you can't overlook an offense. Everything is an offense to you, and everything's a big deal. And some things really aren't. Man, my wife didn't cook for me tonight. Really? You're home. It's okay. Let that go by. My boss didn't appreciate me for all the hard work I did. Really? Let that go by. I didn't get the ketchup. Really? <laughs> Let that go by. Are y'all with me here? I know there's petty things, but, and then there's serious things. But we need to learn to let things go by. Listen, don't swing at that. You'd look stupid. Don't swing at that. Let that thing go by. Now, at the same time, though, there's hurts in our lives where we don't need to let it go by. We need to address it. Actually, Matthew says, I mean, Luke says in Luke 17, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to tell you. Luke 17 says, if your brother sins against you, go to him. So there are some things we just need to let it go by. Oh, Lindsay didn't tell me she loves me. Just let it go by. My boys didn't. Just let it go by. But there's some things where you can't let it go by. You need to go to. Now, notice it says when the brother offends you, who do you go to? All my girlfriends, right? No. Oh, wait, no. Mm -mm. I go to him. I go to him. Tim Keller says this. If any relationship in your life has cooled off, or has weakened in any way, it is always your move. It doesn't matter who started it. So they hurt you, guess whose move it is? Your move. You hurt them, guess whose move it is? Your move. That you go to them. You pray. Now let me just come over here to the side and just say one quick thing. Forgiveness is not trust. Everybody listen to me on this. Forgiveness is not trust. All right? Forgiveness is not trust. And here's why. We are commanded to forgive, but we're not commanded to trust. There's nowhere in scripture that God says, I command you to trust people. Doesn't do it. You know what he says? I command you to forgive people, but he doesn't command you to trust people. You know why? Because forgiveness can be given easily and quickly. Well, it's not easy, but it can be forgiven quickly. But trust takes time. Trust takes time. I'll share a story in just a minute of my own personal walk, walking through this. Someone who had hurt me, and even though I forgave them, I did not trust them. And so, listen, I, I'm just telling you right now, we think that our sin doesn't have repercussions. It does. Just because you've hurt somebody doesn't mean they should automatically start trusting you again. And listen, if you want to gain trust, if you have hurt somebody in here, and all of us have hurt people, but if you've hurt people in here and you want to regain trust, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to own your sin. Own it. Don't blame it. Own it. You own it, and then you go to change it, and then you consistently try to get better in that area. And they need to see. Come on, how many know when you've lost trust, your words don't mean anything anymore, right? I still love you. I, that doesn't mean anything to me. Show me you love me. Y'all with me here? 
Oh, I want to get my relationship with God right. Really? Okay. Well, then go to the men's groups. Go to church. Get discipled. Get connected. Your words mean nothing to me until you show me some action. So if you want trust to be rebuilt in your relationships, husbands in here, you've hurt your wife. Wife, you've hurt your husband. Listen, they don't have to trust you right now. But I believe over time, if you consistently walk through change, God will heal and trust will be rebuilt. He does do that. Here's your second thing. Pray for them like Jesus prays for you. Okay, now listen, we're going to kind of take baby steps here. So like the first one, when when possible, overlook an offense. Okay, that's preschool level. Okay, that's preschool level. Now let's move to elementary grade. All right, elementary grade is pray for them just like Jesus prays for you. Now we're getting up there a little bit. Pray for them. Watch Luke 23, 33 through 34. Now realize this. I want, you to, I want you to realize what's going on here. Jesus is being crucified. Crucified in those days was one of the most horrendous acts of, of death possible. Public humiliation. You're stripped naked. You're in front of people. Now I want to show you, show you something that most people don't understand. When we think of the crucifixion, we think of the cross, three crosses, the two criminals. And we think of Jesus up high, nine feet or so. And people are just yelling at him, you know, speaking bad about him. Hey, if you're the king of kings, take yourself down. All that stuff. This is what we think. The truth is, though, in crucifixion in those days, you weren't nine feet up. You were actually only a couple inches off the ground. And so when they were speaking and hurling insults at him, they weren't looking up at him. They were looking at him in the eye. Oh, you think you're the king of kings? Let's see what you can do. And they were spitting on him. And here we are, the creator of the universe, dying for the creation that is killing him. Think about how crazy that is. Jesus at any moment could have been like, God, I'm done with this. Kill them all. He could have, couldn't he have? Get some angels down here and just like, let's throw down. All right. But he doesn't. He endures. And watch what he prays. This is so important. This is why we say we want to pray for people like God has prayed for us. How has Jesus prayed for you? Look at it. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified. One in his right. One is his left. And Jesus prays, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is the most grace-filled prayer ever. They know not what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Let's look at another verse, Luke six twenty-eight. This is Jesus again. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Say what? Yeah, bless those who curse you. Oh, wait, I'm not done. Pray for those who hurt you. Wait, come again. Yeah, I want you to pray for those who are... Oh, I'll pray for them. Pray they get hemorrhoids. Pray they get flat tire. I'll pray for them, all right. Pray they get in a wreck. Pray they lose a job. I'll, I'll pray. You want me to pray, God? I'll pray. I'll bless them. I'm going to bless them a lot. They're going to get a five-fold blessing. Right here. All right. Jesus says, hey, listen. You pray for them. You bless them. Come on, how do you know this is a lot easier to read and a lot harder to do? Watch this next verse, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law say, love your your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now listen, when Jesus said this, there would have been a... (gasps) All the air would have just been sucked out of the room. Say what? Because he's speaking to Romans and Jews. Romans worshipped the God of revenge. (laughs) 
And Jesus says, hey, you've heard your God say, love those who love you and hate those who are your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Then the Jews over here, they would have went, because in the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so they, that's why when the, the woman caught in adultery is thrown out in front of her and they got all the stones, right? It's kill time. And yet here in this verse, Jesus just flips the script. You have heard it said, love people who love you and hate your enemies. But I say, I'm flipping it here. Because here's the deal. Jesus calls us as Christ followers to a greater level than anybody else. Y'all with me here? It's easy to love people who love you. I love those people. You love me? I love you. You hate me? I don't love you. At all. And Jesus here says, ah, pray for those people. Pray for those people. Did someone hurt you? Pray for them. Did your dad walk out on you? Pray for him. Did your coworker slander you? Pray for him. Whatever pain you've experienced in your life from somebody, you know what Jesus tells you to do? Pray for him. That's what he's called you and I to do. Why did Jesus say this? And here's the truth. Because when you pray for people, they may or may not change. But you always will. God tells you to pray for them, not for them, but for you. Because you can't hold a grudge and be bitter at somebody and pray for them at the same time. You can't. Not a prayer that's a Jesus prayer. I mean, you can pray like the hemorrhoids prayer and be okay. But you can't, you can't listen to me. Your ex-husband, bless him, Jesus. Mm, that one hurt. I'm telling you, this is, this is elementary grade, though. We're going to keep going up. Let's go to the next one. Let's get, let's get into junior high. <laughs> Here's your junior high challenge. Let God handle them. Number three, let God handle them. Romans 12, verse 19. I love how the message says this. Look what the message says. It says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I love Jesus. He's so direct. I love Paul. They're so direct. Don't get even with people. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging. That's what God says. I'll do the judging. And not watch what he says. I'll take care of it. Come on, how many of you know God takes care of things way better than we take care of things? I mean, what's the gut? Let me ask you, what's the gut reaction that you have when someone hurts you? Come on, what's the gut reaction? Hurt them back, right? So hurt them back. So this week, <clears throat> this week, Monday through Thursday, I'm at this conference. I'm gone all week. Lindsay's, Lindsay's had, had our boys. And so Friday, I had a big day Friday. I had a lot of stuff I had to do on Friday as well. And I'm at the office. It's probably about 3.30 or so. And, and I get a phone call. And the phone call is, is my wife. And, uh, and so I answer the phone. And she's like, when are you coming home? I go, oh. <laughs> I'm like, it, it depends. Are you in a good mood, bad mood? I might stay over here. I got a lot. Man, I got a lot of work to do. Uh, and she's like, I literally am about to kill three boys. They're going to, they're going to die. If you don't come, they will die. 
if you don't come save them. She said, I can't handle it. There's bickering, there's fighting. Welcome to the pastor's world, okay? My kids aren't perfect, all right? Oh, they're fighting and arguing. And and I'm like, that's all right. I'll come home and beat everybody. I'll just walk in like, like Schwarzenegger and just start hitting things. Um, that's what I want to do. That's not what I did. Um, but I do spank my kids, by the way, um, because it's biblical. Um, it really is. You want to know why I spank my kids? Because I'm not smarter than God. And God says, spoil the rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm just not smarter than God. If God says it, I'm going to do it. All right. So anyways, that's a whole nother topic. Um, so I get home. We're sitting down with dinner. Hey, guys, how's your day? Oh, it's good, Dad. Really? Hey, Mom called me. Oh, no. No. Yeah, I, uh, I heard there was a little fighting going on. Oh, Judah wouldn't give me. He wouldn't give me. I asked for the Legos, and he wouldn't give me. So what would you do, Joe? I bit him. I bit him. Judah, why didn't you give him the Legos? I didn't want him to have the Legos. I mean, it's my Legos and stuff. So what'd you do? I pushed him. Si, what'd you do? I told them that they shouldn't be doing all that. See, see, Joel's the biter. Judah's the pusher. Si's the bosser. He's my little Pharisee heart. Stop doing that. Quit that. And so I, and so I said, when, when, when he pushed you, when he didn't give you the Legos, what, why did you bite like you've never seen dad go to mom. Ah, you didn't cook me dinner. Ah, like you haven't seen that. Where do you get that? Well, we know it's sin. We don't have to train sin. It's natural. I said, what did you think that you were going to do? I don't know. He's crying. The other two are crying because they know about the beat down is coming. And I said, son, listen to me. When you bite, what happened to you? I got in trouble. Yes, you did. And now you're in trouble. And you're in trouble. And you're in trouble. And that means now I'm in trouble. We're all in trouble. Mom's not happy. Nobody happy. And so we, we progressed to have this almost 45-minute conversation on why they are selfish. And why they don't care about anybody else except themselves. And unforgiveness and bitterness is straight selfishness. It's when you hurt me, I want to hurt you because it makes me feel good. But it actually doesn't fix the problem. It just actually makes it worse. Write this, write this down. Repaying evil for evil doesn't overcome evil. It only continues it. Repaying evil for evil doesn't overcome evil It only continues it. And at some point, listen to me, at some point, we have got to become a frozen song. Let it go. Let it go. I won't sing the rest. I'll spare you. But at some point, you and I have to let it go and give it to God. God, you handle them. I'm letting it go. And every time you don't give it to God, you're saying, God, I can do it better than you can. But we've got to learn to let it go. We've got to learn to let it go. 
Okay, that's junior high. You ready to go to high school now? <laughs> no, let's stay here. Well, sorry, we're going on up. Number four, do good to them like Jesus did to you. Romans 12, look, look, this is the continuation of that verse. Verse 20, it says, our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy them some lunch. And if he's thirsty, give him a Red Bull. <laughs> says your generosity will surprise him. Look at this. Your generosity will surprise them with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you, but get the best of evil by doing good. How did God change you? Man, you ain't obeying me. Cancer. You ain't obeying me. Flat tire. No, honestly, though, we honestly think God does that. We honestly think the bad things that happen in our life is, is penance for what we've done that we shouldn't have done. That God is somehow judging us. We really honestly think that. But it's the furthest from the truth. God doesn't pay you for your sins because Jesus already paid for them all. Amen. And he don't double pay. He don't make people double pay. Jesus was gracious to you. He did good to you. You walked in here. Maybe you were passed out drunk last night. And yet you're, you're here going, God bless me. And you know what God does? He blesses you. You've been doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You're going, God, forgive me. And guess what he does? Forgives you. God, I need mercy. You don't deserve it, but he gives it. He gives it. Even when we're the furthest from God, doing our own thing, God still does good to his enemies. He does good to us. And God is calling us as Christ's followers to not only pray for people, to not only hand it over to God, but to do good to them. You see them on the side of the road with a flat tire. You go, ha, ha, ha. No, you pull off. That's what this verse is saying. Listen, it's a whole nother level. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But forgiveness is not something that you say. It's something that you do. It's easy to say, I forgive you. But it's a whole nother thing to live forgiveness. And here's the last one. Let's go to college level. All right. Let's get our PhD here. <laughs> Cancel their debt like Jesus canceled yours. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Man, that's so powerful just in there. That's its own message. Make allowances for each other's faults, meaning people will hurt you. Make an allowance for that. Oh, that's just an allowance. <laughs> and now watch. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. Remember, 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 remember. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. How do we forgive someone who's wronged us? How do we forgive people we don't want to forgive? How do we forgive people that are absolutely unforgivable? We just remember how much we were unforgivable, and yet God forgave us. We don't elevate our sin. I was a sinner in need of grace and God forgave me. And so therefore, because he forgave me and all my jacked up, messed up life, I can forgive you. I can forgive you. If you choose to forgive, it will not change your past, but it will change your future. It will change your future. It will change your future. Now let me share personally and then I'll wrap all this up. So, 18 years old, I'm graduating, three months away from graduating high school. My mom comes and picks me up at school. 
I have my own car. Mom, what you, what you doing? My mom proceeds to tell me that my father had left us. He'd walked out. He was with another woman. And I, I had a great growing up. I had a great upcoming. My parents were awesome. My grandparents were awesome. But my dad had this thing going on that was a secret that nobody else knew about. And eventually it came out. And so me being the oldest, oldest uh, sibling, I had to then go and get my other siblings with my mom. And I had to tell them what my dad had done. And for the course of the next year or two, I hated him with a passion. I, he hurt my family. He hurt my mom. He hurt me. I, I, I despised him. Despised him. If he would have died, I would have been, I'd been totally cool with that. And, and by God's grace, three months before I graduated, that all happens. I graduate and we were good friends with Pastor Jacob, who's our, our pastor and overseer over in uh, Lafayette. And Pastor Jacob calls my mom and says, get Josh here. Tell him to come here. And so that summer I came down, I went to a camp for a week. He spent a little time with me. And, and at that camp, they were sharing about an internship that they were having. I really felt like, man, God, I just need to be here. But here was the problem. My mom had never worked a day in her life. And now all of a sudden she was going to have to be the sole provider of our entire family. Never having a job. So I said, God, listen, I got to take care of my mom. And God told me, oh, you're better than me? No, I guess not. Weeks later, when I came back from Louisiana, my mom sits down with me and says, hey, Josh, I think you need to go to Louisiana. So well, that must be the Lord. I come here to Louisiana. And pastor Jacob hooks me up with a pastor who's got a really big father's heart. His name is Pastor Bubba McCann. And that man began to work on me and walk me through the pain of a daddy. I, I had a lot of pain from my dad, so therefore any man I couldn't get close to. Anytime he tried to correct me, I thought of my dad. My dad was verbal and all this stuff. Pastor Bubba began to walk with me and said, man, you're, you're the prisoner. You're the prisoner. Not your dad. You're the prisoner. So I called my dad up. Years later, I called my dad up. I said, I need to meet with you. So we went and we sat down in a restaurant and I looked at him and I said, listen, you hurt us. You hurt us. You hurt us. But I, I just, I need to get this off my chest. I forgive you. And he starts crying. Because he knew what he had done. He knew what that was going to do with his grandkids. He knew that that was going to affect them. I told him, listen, I love you. I forgive you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And now we, here we are 16 years later. My God, my, my dad loves God. He's, he's restored. We have a much better relationship now than ever before. I mean, it's, it's so much better. But I realized that, that I had to let a prisoner free, and that prisoner was me. And bitterness and unforgiveness towards those who hurt you only hurts yourself. And that's the way that it was for me. You know, credit card companies, you know what they don't like? The number one thing that credit cards don't like is when you pay off your credit card every month. You know that? They hate that. You know why? Because when you don't pay it off, 
they get to charge you interest. And then if you subscribe to this, I'll just pay the smallest amount and I'll just keep charging. Then guess what? They get to charge you compounding interest. And I'm going to tell you, listen, we need to be a people who clear our accounts all the time. You need to clear that account all the time. I'm not just talking about just financialists, but if that's you, you may need to work on that. But I'm talking about spiritually, you've got to clear that account. I'm not talking about once a month. I'm talking about every day. Because here's the deal. Listen to me. If you don't walk in forgiveness every day and you go, oh, it's not a big deal. Guess what happens the next day? Interest. And guess what happens the next day? Compounding interest and compounding interest and compounding interest. And God is wanting us to clear accounts. You need to clear accounts. You need to clear those so that way you don't have compounding interest that begins to affect you. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we pray right now over your people. God, I pray over them, God, that you would, you would help them. God, right now, you've been speaking. If you'd, if you'd be honest today, come on, listen, this is a message that demands honesty. Because you can walk out of here just the same as you walked in. But I, I don't think you came here for that. This is a message that demands honesty. And if you'd be honest, you've lived in bondage long enough. And you're ready to let that go. To let it go. If you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Would you just raise your hand all across this room? Come on, just honest. That's me. And hands going up all over the place. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for Hey, I want you to keep it up. It's okay. You can keep it up. There's a lot of other people in this room. You're not alone. You're not alone. And I want to pray over you right now. Father, I pray over every single hand that's raised. God, the enemy has tried to use this pain and this hurt to keep them in bondage. But today we recognize your freedom and healing power that you've given to them. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would extend great forgiveness to them. But God, that that forgiveness wouldn't stop with them. It would flow through them. And I want you to do this right now because I know when you raised your hand, you had a person in mind, maybe multiple people in mind. And I just want you right there under your own breath, go, God, I forgive. And you just fill in those blanks, whoever those people are. God, I forgive. Maybe it's a mom, a dad, a family member. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you're battling right now with resentment towards God because you've been praying for God to do something and he hasn't come through like you, ha- like you thought he should. And you're mad at God. And you've got that poisonous root and we are going to uproot that today with forgiveness. So God, I pray that. I pray that over every single person in this room, God. We uproot this root of bitterness. God, with forgiveness. I pray healing over each person.